Praise the Lord, everyone. Oh, how many of you said this can sing that song that the choir just sang? I can't live without you. How many of you has made a way out of nowhere? I got a witnesses in the house here today. Amen, amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mamas. Every mama, big mama, little mama. New mamas and mamas to be. Amen, amen. You can be seated. We're going to get to our scripture in a few minutes. just want to, um, first of all, thank you, First Christian, uh, for the flowers. And thank you, Tristan. I'll say, now, Tristan, though, he doesn't call me Pastor K. He called me PK. <laughs> but anyway, this morning, if you just don't mind, um, we're going to be going to our scripture reading. And the scripture that I'm going to be reading from really reminds me of my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother's name was Annie Brown. Annie Brown born in 1888, and last month Sunday, she would have transitioned to heaven 50 years ago. But Annie Brown was my daddy's mama, and Annie Brown was uh, like all of the women in my life. I, I did come from a line of some God-fearing, God-believing, God-trusting women, but I also came from a line of women that will let you know exactly what was on their mind. <laughs> let the church say Amen. And they didn't have any problems dishing out some wise advice. And like they would tell you, don't you take no wooden nickels and don't you be nobody's fool. Anybody, anybody, anybody my mother told you that? Uh-huh. And then if you start trying to sneak around on them, they will look, look at here, what's done in the dark. It's going to come out in the light. And there was one other line they used to say, they used to say to us, and they would say, look at here, every shut eye, and clay or clothes, uh-huh, and every goodbye ain't gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to wonder, wonder what they meant by every shut eye ain't closed and every goodbye ain't gone. And then it dawned on me that sometimes you just don't know who looking at you and who watching you. You think the eye is shut. You think they're going to sleep on you, but they're checking you out. And every goodbye ain't gone means that very thing that you thought you said goodbye to will find its way back into your space. <laughs> it was Annie Brown, but however, Annie Brown's favorite line was her favorite line that she was always saying. She said, The Lord will make a way somehow. The Lord will make a way somehow. And I just want to shout her out because, you know, I, she was the one that um, was my caregiver, you know, while my mom was working. And so I would go to Grandmama Annie's house and and Grandmama Annie, every, every morning, she would sit me on her knee. And, and the first thing she would do, she's going to read from the upper room. Anybody remember the upper room? We still get the upper room. And she would read from the upper room. Now, keep in mind, Mama Annie never finished elementary school. I don't think she got past fourth grade, but it didn't matter. She could read. She would read from the upper room, and then she kept the hymn book on the table. Now, on the table, they also kept butter out. I don't know why they kept the butter out on the table back in the day. Anybody remember that? The, Butter was sitting by the sugar thing, Majig, and the salt and pepper, you know what I mean? And so she would take out her hymn book, and we would start singing. And every day she would sing, at last it did my Savior bleed. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Now, keep in mind, Mama Annie couldn't carry a tune in a handbasket. <laughs> But she would sing that song every day, and, uh, and I was singing right along with her. And, 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 and on Sunday mornings, what Mama Annie would do was 
She would get up on Sunday mornings whenever I stayed over on the weekend or whatever, and every Sunday morning, she, my grandfather, and I, we would get up. We would go down into the kitchen and kneel at the table. Not sit. We would kneel down at the chair, and granddaddy would lead us in prayer. And we had to pray, and now the food was smelling good, but I couldn't touch the food until we had Sunday morning prayer with my grandfather. And, and so that was the kind of upbringing that I knew. Grandmama Annie never learned how to drive. She never traveled outside of the state of Maryland. She would pick up, pack up a jar of iced tea, and she would go and get some pound cake. She wasn't a good cook, but she would buy the pound cake. And Mama Annie and I would walk out, and we would just walk around through the neighborhood, and she would visit the sick and the shut-in. And Mama Annie would go and just give some wise words of wisdom and just a ministry of presence. And that was kind of the environment that I grew up with with Mama Annie, just walking through the neighborhood, just letting the people know just how good God is. And, of course, she was going to dispense her words of wisdom. Mama Annie never, she never made it on the who is who's list. She was never invited to the White House. She never made it to the State House. But every Sunday morning, she was in the church house. Amen? Amen. She was in the church house. And I remember one Sunday when um, I was sitting with her, and she was sitting in church, and, and Mama Annie just turned around, and she was a very stoic woman. You know, she, she, she didn't show a lot of emotions. And... Um, I turned around and I saw tears coming down her, coming down her eyes. And I, I was like, Mom, Mama, and I used to call her Mama, Mama, what's wrong? And she said, nothing wrong, baby. She said, I'm just happy because the Lord made a way out of no way. I don't know what that way was because I know Mama Annie didn't have a lot of money. But, you know, when you're growing up, when you grew up some families, you didn't know your family didn't have a lot of money. Because as far as you know, you had food on the table. Everybody was happy. Everybody was good. You didn't know that sometimes they were struggling just to make ends meet. And I don't know what it was that Mama Annie was crying about. I don't know if she was shedding tears because she had buried two of her own daughters before they even turned the age of 20. Maybe she was shedding a tear because of that. I, I don't know. Maybe she was shedding a tear because a door that she thought was shut closed, God opened it up for her. I, I don't know what it was that Mama Annie was crying about, but all I know this, she was happy that the Lord had made a way for her out of no way. And I, I don't know her full story, but what Mama Annie taught me and what I carry from this day forward is that no matter how it may look, no matter how desperate the situation may be, no matter how dark the night, how deep the hole, the Lord will make a way. Somebody, why don't you minister to somebody right now? Just minister to somebody right now. The Lord will make a way. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He'll make a way. He will heal somebody's in a home. He will make a way. He will make sure that rent get paid. He will make a way. That was Mama Zanny. He will make a way. He will make a way. He's been looking for a job. He will bless you. He will make a way. And I carry that with Mama Annie taught me. And I thank God for the years I spent with her sitting at her feet. All of my, both of my grandmas, my grandmama Frances too, 
Grandma Francis, she was the cook. She would make some rolls that would make it melt in your mouth. Grandmama Anna bought her rolls. We had brown and served, so. But she served it with love, all right? Come on and give the Lord a hand, praise. So this passage of scripture that I'm going to read from, really, when I started reading it, it really, um, it, I thought about my grandmother. Not that my grandmother was in this situation, but then you know, then I don't know, because I don't know my grandmother's full story. I don't, I don't know what happened to my aunties, because I come from a family that sometimes they just talk, don't, don't talk about it. Sometimes the pain is so heavy and so deep, they choose not to speak about what happened. So if you would turn with me, please, to 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, we're going to talk about the Shunammite woman. Anybody remember her? The Shunammite woman. And I was 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, we're going to look at the eighth verse. Now, because this is a long passage, I'm going to be skipping through, okay? So I just need you to skip with me. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in it for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand so he will be there so he will be there it will be there whenever he comes to us and he can turn in there and it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and laid down and then he said to Gehazi his servant call this shooter my woman and when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, and, she, and he said to her, uh, I mean, pardon me, and he said to him, say now to her, Lord, you have been concerned for us with all your this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered. I dwell among my own people. And so he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. And so he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time the next year, you shall embrace a son. Verse 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son. And when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her, and the child grew. And now it happened one day that he went out with his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And, and so he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat her on her knees till noon and then he died. Let's move over to verse 22. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. And so he said, Why are you going to him? 
today. It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. It is well. Now let's move down to verse, let's go over to 32. And when Elisha came into the house, there was a child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and laid on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. He stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He turned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. And then the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi. He said, call this Shunammite woman. And so he called her and when she came in to him, she picked up her son. And so she went in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. And then she picked up her son and went out. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, God. We thank you for this day that you have allowed us to see. We thank you for this day of celebration of moms, of moms who have given birth, and moms who are surrogate, and moms who are here in this realm, and moms who are present with you. We give you glory on this day. Now, as we come to this time of, of your word, of bringing your word, I pray, Father, that you will just give me the, your increase, that you will give me a fresh anointing as I decrease in myself. And, and I stand on the promise, Father, that the word that you have given, that your word will go forth and not return void. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I said before, the reason why I like this story about the Shunammite mom, mother, is because it makes me think about my grandmama Annie. Because I believe that... Uh, Another way of saying it as well is saying the Lord will make a way. The Shunammite woman really found herself in a very desperate situation, if you will. A very desperate situation. Uh, the Shunammite woman, unlike my grandmother, was a wealthy woman. However, like my grandmother, this woman had the gift of hospitality, if you will. You know, when you would come over to Mama Annie's house, you had to eat something before you left. That was just the way it was. She just assumed everybody was hungry. And so she had to feed you. And so the Shunammite woman had that, 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 the gift of hospitality, if you will, because she saw the man of God coming through town and, and obviously she had heard and knew about his work and that she decided that she was now wanted to talk to her husband about creating a space for him so whenever he comes to town, he wouldn't have to worry about where he was going to stay and that he could stay with her. And then if you, when we go and read the word, it would tell us that she had to persuade him to, to come and, and, and to live with her. But nonetheless, he, he did. He would come and he would stay with her and her husband. The text doesn't go into, it doesn't explain to us or tell us uh, why she thought he was a, a man of God or why she assumed a man of God, uh, we, we don't know. I don't know. Maybe she heard about how that he had made a way for the widow whose son were going to be taken to slavery to pay off a debt that they had. Or maybe she heard about the story where he had miraculously turned bitter water sweet. 
Uh, whatever the case was, whatever the case was, this woman, out of the goodness of her heart, wanted to serve the man of God. She wanted to do something for him to, to show her gratitude for the work that he was doing in her neighborhood. And so she built this room for her, for him. Now, now Elisha, as any servant of God would be, was, was grateful. He was thankful that she had gone out of her way, that she and her husband had gone out of the way to be so hospitable to them, to, 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 to add on it, to go to the expense of, of building this additional room and to provide food for them. She, so he, he asked, he asked um, Gehazi to go out and said, ask this woman, what is it that I can do for her? What, what can I do for her? Ask the woman, uh, um, um, do, does she need me to, to speak to the king or to the commander of the army? And that tells you right there that Elisha has some contacts. Uh, he had access. He, he could get to people in high places. And the fact that he asked the question meant that he could get to these people and get whatever it is that this lady needed. And so, and so the woman comes back with a strange response. She says, really, I don't need anything. She said, I dwell among my own people. Now, I didn't quite understand what she meant by that. She said, I dwell among my own people. And, and what she was implying was that she didn't need any special recognition. She didn't desire to be compensated for her hospitality but she was saying that, that I'm just content. I, I'm good with what I have. I'm good with, with what I have. Uh, being good with what you have and, and being content does not mean you don't have some struggles. Uh, being content means there are some burdens that you are bearing. Uh, being content simply means that I'm good. I may not have everything, but wherever I am in this space in life, I am good. Paul talks about it over there in Philippians 4, and he said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances may be. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be in plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, it's a secret in learning how to be content in any and every situation. Because that says a whole lot. And that says a whole lot. It says that even when life isn't fair, even when things aren't going the way I would want them to go, I'm still good. Even when I don't have everything that I desire, I'm still good because I'm in a good place right now. And she was saying to him, I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. I, 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 don't, I don't need anything else. But I wonder why she didn't tell him that there was a desire in her heart. The woman, she chose not to share that desire. And maybe she didn't, didn't choose to share it because when you come to a place of acceptance of whatever your situation may be, you don't really think about it anymore. You know what I mean? You know... I'm good. I haven't given it any thought. I have settled my mind on that issue. So she didn't, give it, she didn't give it any thought, perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps she thought that what the desires of her heart was, was beyond what this man of God to give to her. 
And maybe she thought that, you know, what it is that I really want is a child, but I'm just assuming that that desire is too big of a request and you cannot provide that. I don't know. I don't know what it is that she was thinking about. I just could only wonder. And I also wonder what she's thinking or saying, you know what, I've been disappointed so many times that I'm not even going to ask for this anymore. Sometimes disappointment will do that. We choose to become become content. We choose, and we call it contentment, but really what it is, we are settling. Settling for less because we fear of being disappointed. Settling for less and don't ask God for what it is that we really want because we don't want to face the possibility that it may not ever happen. And sometimes we go through life based on what we expect and not on what we want. We would rather sacrifice our hopes and our dreams than to risk the possibility of being disappointed. So maybe that's what was going on in this woman's mind, and maybe maybe that was why she didn't bother about asking him for what it is that she desired. But, But we know that all of her married life, this woman wanted a child. But every month she came up disappointed, and years passed, and her hopes began to fade, And finally, as I said earlier, she began to accept her circumstances that she would never be a mother. But the text doesn't say if she had trouble conceiving. The text said, the text says she has no children and then it says, and her husband is old. Her husband is old. Sometimes the assumption is sometimes that the woman is the problem, but it could have been the man that was the issue, and, and sometimes our blessings are, are delayed or canceled because we, of who we are connected to. Didn't mean that anything was wrong with her, it was who she was connected to. Let me just repeat that one more time. It didn't mean anything was wrong with her, sometimes it all depends on who we are connected to, uh-huh. Uh, Maybe he was the one who couldn't father the child. Uh, It's who we are connected to. Who we are connected to uh, helps to determine how blessings are going to be ushered into us. It helps to determine whether blessing is going to be delayed or blocked uh, because uh, who we are connected to determines to some degree of how it's going to impact or have an impact on our lives. And the closer that person is to us, the greater the impact is on our life. The closer an individual is to us, the greater the possibility that they can have some influence over how our blessings flow. What happens, what would happen. And, and so it just depends on what happened to this woman and, 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 who, and where the issue really lie. But I just want to get back to the point that our blessings are connected to who we are connected to. I'm not saying anything was really wrong with the man, but what I'm saying is we do have to be mindful as to who we hook up with. And I intended to use the word hook up. We have to be mindful who we hook up with. You ain't got to be selective of who you want to be the mother or the father of your children. You got to be selective about that. Because I'm going to tell you the thing that amazes me to no end and that we get these kids and, we, and, and, and it's all lovey-dovey and six, seven months later you can't stand the one that you hooked up with. I don't know what that's all about.
Baby, daddy drama, mama drama, the whole nine yards. Then it was good enough to make them. Why we got a problem now? We got a problem now because we weren't mindful of what we were hooking up with in the beginning. Mind your business, Carrie Johnson, mind your business. Question we need to ask before we do the hookup is, what do you bring to the table? What do you bring to the table? Is this going to be an 80-20 relationship where I'm carrying 80% of the load and you riding 20% of the time? Which one is it going to be? Is this going to be a partnership or is it going to be a hardship? Which, which one are we going to roll here? And once you, 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 you answer those questions, then you make a decision if I want to hook up with this one right here. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> you know, we love our kids, but we look at our kids and we go like, well, what was I thinking? Anybody ever been there? That's what being in women. Brothers do the same thing. They're going like, Lord, what was I thinking? I don't know what that was all about. All right, let the church say amen. amen. <laughs> the Shunammite woman didn't ask for anything. She didn't ask for anything. She said, I dwell among my own people. She didn't ask for a thing. But Gehazi discerned her deepest want was to have a child. And Elisha then turns around and he promised her, he says to her, by this time next year, you're going to be a mother. This time next year, you're going to be a mother. And the woman says back to Gehazi, don't lie to me. It's right there. Don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes built up for no reason. I've been disappointed too many times. Don't tell me this prophecy and it turns out to be a prophet lie. I don't want to hear that anymore. I was content with where I was in this life. So don't lie to me. Because he didn't change. You know, when you know the word God has given you a word, you don't back down off of it. This time next year, you're going to be a mother. How many of you think about where you were this time last year and you're so grateful to God from where he has brought you from from last year to this year anybody in here you're just grateful for how the Lord has blessed you and how how you just look back and you think about where you were this time last year and you can't help but give God some glory and some honor because you just think about what he's done for you this time last year you were in debt but this time this year you are debt free this time last year you didn't have a job but this time this year you got one this time last year didn't nobody know your name but this time this year they know exactly who you are come on and give the Lord a hand raise this time last year now just think about where you're going to be this time next year this time next year I know sister Tracy said sister Tracy said take out your cell phone and she said take a picture of yourself right and she said put FC3 a hashtag FC3 moms, right? I want you to add another hashtag. Hashtag this. <laughs> if you think I look good now, wait until you see me next year. 
Hashtag that. You think I'm good now? Wait until you see me next year, what this gonna look like. Amen? Amen. Yes, sir. I mean, what did that song, what did the songwriter say? What did the songwriter Kevin say? Uh, I see you in the future. You look better. Yeah. Now, at first, I got to be honest, when I first heard that song, I was like, well, what do I look like now? Because I see you in the future. You look better. I have not seen you, have not heard what the Lord has in store for you. So God has a place and God has a plan. So Elisha calls a woman. And it says she stood in the doorway. She stood in the doorway. Doors, doors keep things apart. Uh, Doors set boundaries. Doors uh, separate two distinct areas. Doors uh, create boundaries and create barriers, if you will. And and some kind of action has to take place in order for you to get to uh, the other side. Something has to happen for you to move from one area to another. And perhaps this, this, this piece in the scripture is saying that she stood in the door was symbolic of the fact that she was about to transition, that she was going to move from one place in her life and going to another level in her life, that she was about to transition, um, transition through a doorway, a, a doorway where she thought that she was going to be the rest of her days, but now God was going to move her over into a place where she was going to become a mother. Um, She didn't know that the doorway is symbolic of that fact. She didn't know that the doorway was symbolic um, that some barriers were about to be moved in her life. The barrier of not being able to mother a child was about to be moved. Something that wasn't available to her at one point was now going to be available to her. She was about to move into a transition And the transition was that she was going to become a mother. She embraced what the prophet said, and she probably didn't really, really embrace it until she actually became pregnant. I can pretty much imagine that she wasn't really fully grasping it until she started feeling something in her stomach. Sometimes we've been disappointed so long Because something has to move before we really believe that it's happening. Sometimes our hearts have been broken so many, so many pieces until something has to come together before we began to to embrace and, and, and to understand that God is making a way. This woman was beginning to see that what she thought was impossible was now becoming possible. As the story moves on, It then shifts. It shifts. The promise that she had was birth. The hope that she had became a reality. The thing that she wanted, she was able to touch it and hold it. It was a living, breathing child. Her her dreams that was in her arms and the word said, and the child grew, meaning her dreams grew. It, it, it didn't stay just a little child. It didn't stay an infant, but the child began to grow and it began to prosper. And then, and then the thing 
that was bringing her the greatest joy in her life, her greatest hope. Something that she had settled her heart was never going to happen, and here, here she's holding it in her arms, and all of a sudden, it dies. She held it, it said, until noon, holding and rocking and praying, I believe, that, that this child is going to live. And I believe that like any mother, she would give her, given her life just so her child could live. But the child dies. The, the manifestation of the promise dies in her arms. It dies in her arms. And then she does something that was incredibly strange. She didn't call a mortician. She didn't even call her husband to tell that the child had died. As she gets up, she lays the baby on the prophet's bed. She lays the baby down on the prophet bed. She goes out. She says to her husband, have one of your servants come. And take me because I'm going to see the man of God. He wants to know, well, what's going on? It's not the new moon. We're not having a holiday. What's happening around here? And he doesn't say, she doesn't say, our son upstairs is on the bed dead. She doesn't say anything. She just said, it is well. I don't know how that sister kept her composure. Because I'm going to be for real, for real. I'll be broke down, messed up, snapped, be flying all over the place. Because my child is upstairs. And she said, it is well. Another way of saying, I know the Lord going to make a way. And it says that she rode on, and if you read the scripture, that when I was reading some commentary, it took her about five hours to get to this man of God. It took her that long to travel up to him. And when she gets up to him, she gets up to him, and, and the question that Gehazi asked, he said, is everything all right? And he said, she says, it is well. She didn't even tell Gehazi. She didn't tell him what was wrong. She was waiting until she got to the man of God. And when she got to the man of God, it says that she fell down on his knees and grabbed him around his feet and she desperately cried out to him and said, didn't I tell you? She was saying, she said, his child of God, didn't I tell you? I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this grief. I told you years ago I was good. I told you I was satisfied with not having a child. I told you I was comfortable. I didn't ask for this. And now you have given this to me and it has died. And now I'm going through this grief and this heartache and a pain. And I'm going through something I didn't even ask for. Let me break it down because maybe y'all understand this. to be a pastor. I was good where I was. I didn't ask for this responsibility. I didn't ask to be under stress and strain. I didn't ask for this. And now, God, you put it in my lap and said, this is something that I want you to do. And then when things start going wrong, now everybody looking at me all crazy. I didn't ask for this. Yeah. 
woman saying she was all stressed out. You got me grieving over this child. I was content where I was. And now you bring me this gift. I know it was a gift, but the gift has turned on me. Has a gift ever turned on you? Has a gift ever turned on you? The gift has now turned on me, and now I don't know what to do with it, and now I'm coming back to you because you're the one that started this thing in the first place because I didn't ask you for one blessed thing. I told you I was good. Lusha didn't cool, then he didn't lose his cool. He understood. He didn't flick up on that sister because what the sister was saying now, you, you, look, I ain't asked for it. Now you fix it. That's what she was saying. That's what she was saying. Let me tell you something. When that girl rode on that horse, that donkey, for five hours, she had a whole lot of time to think. And sisters, you know how we are. When we got a lot of time to think, we're going to think of every argument we ever had with you. We're going to think of every disagreement, and we're going to bring up stuff that you forgot about years ago, and we're going to start all the way back to the day your mama brought you in the world, and we're going to lay you out. And y'all be looking at us because you don't know what in the world we're talking about, but that's all right. We're going to lay you out from morning, noon, and night. Amen, sister. That's just how we do it. And then you're going to have to figure out why I'm hot, okay? You figure out why I'm mad. I didn't say it was fair, but I'm just saying. She rose up on him. She She rose up on him. She rose up on him. And so he decided, well, you know what? I better do something. tell you something. Ain't nothing worse than a ticked off woman. And especially a woman where you don't mess with her kids. Amen? Amen. Now we would do some stuff, you go messing with our child. Now I'm going to tell you, even if the kid is wrong. Let me handle that behind closed doors. I'm going I'm to handle that situation. Okay? But, but right now, your hands don't go on them. It's my hands. Uh-huh. Their rear end is reserved for these. It's right here, you know? That's how we've done. That was my grandma, my aunt. And she would tell me, she would say, girl, go out there and, and get me a switch. She's going to beat me with a switch. She's going to ask me to get her a switch so that she can use on me. I would go out there and find the smallest, dry stick I could find. There you go, mama. Aunt. I ain't going to do it no more. And I just go, ah. And then she wife, don't do it no more, baby. Go sit down. See, I know I wasn't going to get a beating there. You got to learn how to play a game. <laughs> so anyway, the prophet comes back to town. He sends Gehazi up for, ahead, of, ahead, of, ahead of them. Tell him, take my staff. Go lay, go lay it on him. And Gehazi does it. Gehazi comes back. And look, look, ain't nothing happened. The kid is still dead. <laughs> what we gonna do? So he then turns around. And so Gehazi goes up. I mean, pardon me, Elisha goes up. 
And as we see in the scripture where he put face to face, eyes to eyes, nose to nose, and he, he lays on the, on the child, and, and it says the child sneezes seven times. There go that number seven again. And then the child comes back. She comes back to life. As I look at the scripture and coming to this close, you sometimes wonder why things happen in life. The child was definitely a gift. But why was the gift taken? Why, why did the gift die? And then an opportunity for a miracle to take place. And that's one lesson. That sometimes the things that we think in our lives have died, they're not dead. But there's waiting for an opportunity because God is going to show you a miracle. Yeah. Sometimes some things got to die first before you believe it when it comes back. You know what I mean? Which reminds us of the story over, over in Luke when, when Lazarus died. Do you remember when, when Lazarus died? And remember, Jesus said to, to Martha, he said to her, no, he's not dead. He's asleep. And this is all for the glory of God. When I think about the Shunammite woman, when I think about the Shunammite woman, Perhaps God allowed to happen what happened was because she was really trusting and believing in the man of God and not the God in the man. I need y'all working and listening. Maybe not the, not the God in the man. Because if she had trusted the, the God in the man, she wouldn't have traveled five hours to find him because she knew the God that's in the man is the same God that was with her in that room and she could have prayed for his resurrection right there. I'm just saying. Perhaps she had to, to learn that lesson for herself. And, and I say this in closing. When it comes to, to learning about how the Lord will make a way, it's, it's one thing for people to tell us about. It's another thing to even witness it happening in someone else's life. But let me tell you, it's a whole nother ball game when you're the one that's up in the mix. And when you are up in a, in a back, when your back is up against the wall, when, when you are having a Red Sea experience, uh, when you are in a place where no man, no woman, nobody can help you, but only God can help you, it is then when you learn the Lord We'll make a way somehow. And when you know it for yourself, when you know that you know that you know that the Lord will make a way, that again says that no matter what hell comes your way and what hell brings it your way, the Lord will do what? He's going to make a way. I don't care if every door has been shut. The Lord will do what? He's going to make a way. I don't care how deep down you may be. The Lord is going to do what? He's going to make a way. And we have to learn it for ourselves. That the Lord is going to make a way. Now, I want everybody up in here who has learned it for themselves. That you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. That you have looked at some demons face to face. 
And you have seen some doors opening up for you and some doors shut for you. You know for yourself that the Lord has made a way. Come on and let's give the Lord a hand for you. The Lord will make a way. God is an awesome God. And since this is Mother's Day, and I can just speak first to the moms. When we're raising children, and whether we birth them or not, anytime there's a child who is under our influence, we're going to be in a position at some point in time where we're going to have to learn for ourselves that the Lord going to make a way. And the Bible teaches us that, you know what it says, you can train up a child. And he shutting up a tart. Yeah, you can train up a child, but they're going to be seasoned. That child might depart. And you got to make a mind up what you're going to trust and believe in. Are you believing that God, that you're going to turn that child over to the Lord and let the Lord work it out and get out of the way of God's work and let God do whatever God has to do? Decision counselors, you can come on down. And sometimes we, 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 have, to, we have to stop being uh, um, the cushion uh, to catch our kids. And sometimes we have to learn, we, just because we didn't have, doesn't mean that we're supposed to give everything that our children ask for. Have to learn how to earn it. Earn it. I'm not talking about being me, but I mean, what I'm saying is so our kids can be appreciative and understand that this thing of motherhood, and not in fatherhood, but, but this is Mother's Day. Motherhood is not easy. It's not an easy job, but it's a blessed job. It's a job that I wouldn't trade it for the world. To be a mom. You get on your nerves sometimes. But, but it doesn't last long, does it, mom? Because we love them no matter what. And just love them no matter what. But right now, I just want to have this opportunity. Is there anyone who's in here? And I don't know. Maybe you had a... Grandmama Annie, in your life like I did, I, had, I, I was fortunate that, you know, I had a strong mama. By the way, my mom going to be turning 91 on Tuesday. Yeah. And my mama, I'm supposed to be doing the decision, but I'm getting there. <laughs> my mom can't move. She's lost. All ability. Yeah. If you ask mom how she's doing, she's going to say fine. I don't know where that strength comes from. Well, wait a minute, I do. I know where it comes from. So how you can say you fine. You can't even feed yourself or scratch your ear if you itch. But you can look at me. I thank God for my mama. And even though I've been praying, sometimes I'm going in and asking the Lord on this day, let me just hear her. Listen, can we talk? Can we have a conversation again? And then um, it doesn't happen, but one day the chaplain came in and the chaplain was talking to her and mom gave her that mom look. 
And on that day, I said, Lord, don't let mama talk to me. Because those of y'all who know my mama, y'all who know my mama, who know my mama, y'all know mama? Okay, so y'all understand where that prayer was coming from. Mama's good. Mama's a good mom. God gives us mothers and mothers in our lives because, see, in God is mothering. God is a nurturer. He's a nurturer. He's a protector. He's a birther. So if any of you are here and maybe you have not come to accept Jesus Christ for yourself and you want to get in a better connection with the mother that's in Jesus Christ, the the mother that is in God. Come on down.